gentlemen, Ultra Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Frank Rosotto. Uh, today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Santo Chilaro, a comedian, TV and film producer, um, screenwriter, and of course, um, those in Australia would know him from one of my first comedy discoveries, The Degeneration, um, The Late Show, The Panel, Frontline, and of course, the iconic movie, The Castle. Um, Santo, thanks for joining us today. Anytime, Frank. Isn't it funny? Whenever, you know, whenever I, I know that I'm going to be talking about football, all that other stuff means nothing to me. <laughs> just you go, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever. Get through all that. Get through that bit. Yeah, you've got let's all your priorities about, down pat. Let's talk about the game. Yeah. yeah. So we won't talk as much as I want to talk about Wayne from St. Albans or I want to talk about <laughs> Jeff and Terry. Um, those who don't know what that is, look up Jeff and Terry on YouTube or um, look up Uncle Alberto's house and um, we'll stick to the football. So, yeah, tell us, what was it like growing up in um, Collingwood in a all-Italian household, um, I've got, if I've got that right? Um, was it a, were you out of your elements when it came to AFL and cricket and other sports or was it just football, um, more football? Here's the beauty of uh, Collingwood is an inner suburb in Melbourne and uh, the Collingwood um, team colours are black and white. It was one of the one of the one of the beauties of growing up in Collingwood is that your mum could knit you a black and white jumper and you could wear it for Collingwood if you played AFL football or as the as Juventus, which was the uh, the club that represented all the Italians when I was growing that. up. I've never thought of that in my life. It was very handy. Yeah. My mum was very very happy about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I had a I had a blessed childhood, Frank. I grew up in a very, very joyful uh, environment. I, I, can't, I couldn't have wished for a, for, a, for a better childhood. My father was involved in football from the very start. So he was involved in the, uh, in, in, as I said, the local Juventus team here, which represented all the Italian migrants. He then got into, um, uh, into the administration of football in Victoria. He was in the Victorian Soccer Federation, then in the Australian Soccer Federation. And up until not that long ago, was uh, was still on the Court of Appeals. So he was still involved. You know, he's in his 90s now and he and he's still involved. He still goes to the games with me. There's not a single day of our entire lives that we haven't spoken about football every single day. So uh, I don't know, I, I don't know when this goes to air, but uh, I spoke to him the other day about uh, Italy losing to Argentina in uh, the finalissima, and uh, it was hilarious because he, he was talking about it as if the match didn't exist. He said, no, no, I didn't see it. And I'm going, what do you mean? I told you, I explained to you how to get onto Optus. I did all that. He goes, no, no, didn't see it. Don't know what happened. Don't know what happened. And, and, and I said, well, are you serious? Do you want me to tell? No, no, I don't need to know. It's okay. It's fine. He made it disappear from, uh, from his memory. But um, He won't want to watch the Nations League then coming up. I know, God, I know, I know, I know. We're not having a good time at the moment with Australia and Italy. Yeah. Um, the, um, the thing about growing up in, it, in Collingwood was that there was, a, there was an Italian cinema around the corner in a suburb called Clifton Hill. It was just down the road. I mean, we were basically on the border between uh, Collingwood and Clifton Hill. And they, they would play Italian movies. Uh, but what would happen is, because you couldn't get your World Cup games on television, back in the day. So the earliest one I can remember is 1970. I was a little kid, it was 1970. The only way you could watch that was going to the cinema three months after and, and seeing the FIFA film of, of, of the World Cup. And there was one particular time when my father was really excited and uh, he said, oh mate, you're gonna love this film, it's, it's fantastic. And it was West Germany versus Italy, the semi-final. 
But um, spoiler alert, Italy wins 4-3. <laughs> um, I think the uh, statute of limitations for the spoilers passed. I it's a good day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll never forget, we went there and uh, it was on Queen's Parade in Clifton Hill. And I remember because there weren't, there weren't posters. Usually there were Italian posters at the front, but this was butcher's paper. There was this butcher's paper with text written on it, you know, Germania Italia. Yeah. And, um, and we went in and I remember that because I was there with other kids from who also went to my school and we were just looking around at all these Italians. They were just, you know, sucking on Peter Stuyvesant cigarettes and it was just smoke everywhere. And, the, and they were, had their Italian scarves on and they were nervous. They were nervous for the result. And we were looking around going, uh, this match was won three months ago. What are they nervous about? They're, they're walking around going, these Germans, they're yeah. tough to beat, they're tough nuts. Pacing the, pacing uh, the, uh, the aisles, walking around. Uh, it was ridiculous. So, and it was a wonderful... And in fact, I've actually, uh, I've actually still got the three... The, I'm in my office now. I can actually see the three reels there because uh, when, the, when the cinema closed down, um, I, I, did a, I did the conveyancing for them because I, I, I did study to be a lawyer. I never became a lawyer, but I did study... And they, and they couldn't afford a real lawyer, so they asked me to do the conveyancing. <laughs> and they, couldn't, they didn't have enough money to pay me, so they told me I could take any film or any posters that I wanted from the, oh, wow. from the cinema. So I've got a, I've got a, I, that's the only film I took. I took the Italy versus Germany film. Um, and, and the, the other thing paper, about... Not the butcher paper. That had burnt down. I think someone stubbed a cigarette out on it. I'm an angry um, German guy sitting in the last row. (laughs) There were no Germans there, trust me, no Germans. And uh, yeah, no, there was there was no alliance that day. Um, The 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 funny thing about that World Cup is I I would have been what about six or seven or eight. I can't remember something like that. And um, it was my dad used to listen in the middle of the night on the radio. I still remember that it was a, a yellow radio. It was like a yellow plastic slash Bakelite radio. And I'll never forget one night where I could hear him yelling and I woke up and it was the final. It was Italy versus Germany. And it was the first time, I don't know whether you remember this, Frank, but the, the first time you heard your, your father swear. <laughs> he was swearing, you know, was, and every now and again, the word Pelé would come come out and everything. Oh, in the Brazil final. The Brazil, yeah. the final, yeah. It, Brazil won 4-1. Oh, God. And, um, and all I remember, because I, I, I walked out there and he, he was listening in the dark. I just saw the, the tip of his cigarette in the darkness and the swearing. Because Italy was in it with, with half an hour to go. Italy was... Do you reckon they were? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he reckons we got... He reckons we... You know, yeah. they the watched extra, it. I think they, the, they Germany game, the Germany game was their final. Yeah, it took us... Took, yeah, they took it, took it all out of us. But... Um, so yeah, so growing up watching World Cups, if, you know what? Even one of the great moments in 1970 was again all my uncles. We all went to to my uncle's place in um, where did he live in Moreland, and we watched the FA Cup final between Chelsea and Leeds, and um, and and that's when I started following Chelsea because they had an, a goalkeeper with an Italian surname, Peter Bonetti, <laughs> and um, and. And even that was big, you know. Everything, everything revolved around the, the the football. It all did, you know. Weekends, you you would go, and my father would introduce me to players. You know, meet Billy Wojtek. He plays for Croatia, but you know, he's going to play for Juventus. And if there was all these different clubs with all these different uh, ethnic backgrounds, it was just it was magic. Yeah. Um, but World Cup was where it was at. You yes, know, you look at the World Cup. I mean, nineteen eighty two. Again, we celebrated that at home and, you know, to watch Italy, to watch those games towards the end, shared, sharing those games with your family, with your, your father. 
that that game against Brazil, one of the great games of all time, that Italy won three two. They they um, they kept putting their noses ahead, even though Brazil needed to. All they needed to do was draw that game in order to get through. Dino Zoff making some incredible saves at the end, and then in the final, playing against uh, Germany and winning three one. They're just beautiful, beautiful moments. Yeah, yeah, the memories. Yeah, I still have. I always said I've I've got some early stage trauma by seeing shadowy silhouettes appear at my parents' front door and windows at, at three four in the morning because they're yeah. coming to knock on to let, let them in to watch the game. But yeah, it was a different a bit, time, it, man, too, it, because no, no, no. you couldn't yeah. see anything, you know. No, you couldn't. But but that was that's 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 was part of the beauty of it and the beauty of our time zone that. You, you watch games in your in your you know your dressing gown, your pajamas, PJ. you know your PJs. Your mum would make you and and because it's you know it's summer in, in the northern hemisphere and we watch it in winter. You know you got mums and aunties making food for you, soups in the middle of the night, yep. and then baking cakes when you win. <laughs> uh, it's it's so it's yeah. so magic, you know. And you, and you really didn't know is. you didn't know players. You didn't you know there was no accessibility to media guides and programs no. and who was who. So you were discovering a lot of these new players and teams mm. um, for the first time. Like yeah. 86 World Cup for me, I was eight. So I sort of remember seeing players and and like, you know, I know I've talked about it before, not in that particular World Cup, but seeing like Peru and seeing that red and white, the, the white with the red sash. And, Absolutely. You know, watching Colombia and seeing Roger Miller and Italia yeah, yeah. uh, 90 and all these foreign, that's like you learn geography. I You're quite learned, right. All of my yeah. geography was all based around <laughs> where countries came from and, and how to spell. I was the only guy in year six that knew how to spell Cameroon and that Yahundi or was the capital and that's where Roger Miller was born or or any of those random facts. But isn't that um, beautiful? That's yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. No, no. I, I I still remember the first time I saw um, the first time I saw who did you say? And it wasn't Chile, was it? Um, Peru. Peru. The first time I saw Peru was. Uh, was in the 1978 World Cup as well. There was the great Kubillas played with them. And uh, and again, that was the one, I, I'm pretty sure that that's the one that, the, that's the World Cup that Argentina beat them 6-0 in, in order to get to a final, which was, they needed to win 5-0 and they won 6-0. <laughs> so a few question marks over that one, the particular one. But yeah, but yeah we, used to, we used to wait for the um, Gazzetta dello Sport, the pink newspaper, to come out on a Thursday here in Australia. So, you know, the matches were played on a Sunday, in fact, I've got I've got the complete set of um, of Gazzetta dello Sport from the 1982 World Cup, okay. and they were coming out almost every day. And that was a, that was as close as you could get to actually you know reading about players and you know and getting their ratings and things like that. Yeah, and it seems I think I've got that one. I've still got the Euro 2021 <laughs> still there, but it seems the, the the newspaper from the day a friend sent it to me, but. It seems even when you see that newspaper or when you, you see what goes on over there, it's such a completely different world. Like I know the first time, as soon as I arrive in Italy, the first thing I do, I, as soon as I walk off the plane at the airport, what do you do? I look for a newsstand to yeah. grab a copy and, and, and away you go. But yeah, I know, like look, my connection yeah. with our parents, like my dad, like I've said, we and, and you, you've said earlier, like you don't, 95% of our whole conversation is based around football. You know, my memories are all set to World Cup years. Um, yeah, yeah. There was no other sport. You know, like I'd watch rugby league with my, my dad and he just had no idea what was going on. Was sure. Bloody stupid sport. You know, they're bashing yeah, yeah. each other. And now yeah. he wouldn't know what was going on. But um, yeah. Oh, and, and I guess the beauty too is as, as 
well, certainly as my father gets older, I mean, he's, he's still got, you know, all these marbles and everything, but his long-term memory seems to get better and better. So he starts pulling out stuff from the 50s and the 40s, you know, even, even from, you know, from the team that, that won in the, because I think Italy won it twice in the 30s, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he, he'll, you know, he'll pull out sort of times when, you know, planes crashed, you know, the, the terrible plane crash, the Torino plane crash. Uh, so I'm getting more and more stories out of him rather than less and less. Yeah. And, uh, and again, the fact that he was in sports administration opened up so many strange doors for me. So, you know, two years after the, the, the 82 World Cup, I got to hang with the Juventus team, the 84 Juventus team, who was, you know, and then the, like at least half of them played in that, in that yeah, World Cup. Yep. Uh, so you were their quote-unquote official translator. <laughs> well, that's interesting. For, that, those that, that, for those that yeah. don't know the story, because obviously uh, a few people overseas that listen to this, um, you retell the story and what a, your, your main job for the it tour was a, and the team. It was, was an interesting time, Frank. Uh, let's say I was at I was at Melbourne University at the time, and literally I was going to my Zia Rosa and Zia Maria's place, their sisters, who made pizzas for me once every couple of weeks, and literally on my way to their place in in uh, Brunswick West, uh, I walked past the motel that the Juventus. Uh, football team was giving their press conference to there was a triangular I, I can't remember the the the, um, the competition that they were playing I think there was a Brazilian team out maybe Flamenco or someone like that and maybe even Udinese there it was a it was an odd uh, tournament I can't remember Australia was certainly playing it and um, my father told me by the way there's a press conference at the at the Park Royal Motel opposite a place called Princess Park which is where the Juventus team were, were training and I literally walked past it. I saw all the uh, the cameras, the cameras there. I said, "Oh, Dad told me that there was it, it would be on." So I walked in, and um, and there was about to be a press conference. And Giovanni Trapattoni was the the, the team uh, manager at the time, and on the podium was uh, Paolo Rossi and uh, and uh, Zoff. You know, Zoff was there, and Bonnie. I think Boniek was there as well. Yeah, Boniek was there as well on the on the podium. And uh, the, all the press was asking uh, Trapattoni, well, who's going to do the translating? And Trapattoni never forget, he said, it's okay. I speak uh, the English, no problem. I, I speak, I answer all of the question. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, well, good luck to this. I can see a plane crash, a train crash about to happen. First question, so Mr. Trapattoni, how do you, you know, how do you boys find it out here? You reckon, you know, you reckon you'll do well? You're playing at the MCG, a surface you've never played on before. Do you reckon that's okay? And he just stared and had no idea. And uh, so I, I basically said, a translate, started translating for them. And to cut a long story short, they basically put a tie on me. I, I had to wear a tie because I had a jumper and they put a tie on me. They got me to sit there and translate for the rest of that, um, that press conference. Uh, and there's footage of it too. A friend of mine in, in the, at the ABC newsroom sent me the footage of it. Uh, and, and from then on, I traveled the country as their quote, translator. I thought I was just going to do all their translating, which I did. I did most of the translating, but that was just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I was in charge of, uh, I was in charge of looking after all the, the married players' wedding rings. <laughs> so I literally had to, I literally had to, they, each, all the married men basically got rid of their wedding rings. So I had to put bands on them with their names so that, I, that, that you know, because I'd hate for them to mix up their wedding because it's so important to them. <laughs> And it means um, so much to them. So yeah. much, and and I was I was taking calls in the middle of the night from, you know, the the the, the wives yeah. saying, "I'm sorry, your your husband can't come to the phone. He's in a team meeting at the moment." 
Um, so um, yeah, that's all I'll say. And I, and I also had to, I stopped a couple of fights. There were, there were players that were, you know, bringing not one, but two girls into their rooms and they were sharing with other blokes and there were fights in, in, in corridors. And there, were, there was one particular player, I won't name names. He literally came to Australia I don't even know whether he played a game. I think he may have been injured, but he came with a briefcase full of gold. <laughs> and, uh, so I basically had to go to all these wholesale jewelers to see whether they wanted to buy gold. It was it was yeah. surreal. Yeah. It was surreal. That's a that's an experience and a half. And I and I took and I took some players to Aussie Rules football. I took Paolo Rossi and uh, Antonio Cabrini and uh, Marco Tardelli to a. To an Aussie Rules football match, and wow. that was fun too. What did they think of that experience? What did they? Oh, think they, they, they thought it was interesting. They, they they enjoyed the athleticism of it. They they, they just they, they didn't quite get what was going on, but they stayed for the match. They stayed for the entire match. That'd be bizarre for them because you know they're such a global superstars and such mm. huge huge personalities and, and famous people, I guess, in Italy, and yet put them in the middle of a Collingwood game in the middle of the MCG, and they they're almost yeah. anonymous. Totally. It's incredible. I mean, Paolo Rossi was big enough at the time for people to recognise him. Mm. So he was getting, i I, I got to say, he was getting stopped. But yeah, as for the others, you know, like Boniek, who would really, no, no one's going to, you know, going to stop Boniek down the street and go, hey, you know, are you the Polish superstar? <laughs> I recognise that moustache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So when you were growing up, did you attend a lot of, obviously, the Juventus uh, games like the Melbourne Juventus. Sorry, um, did you attend a lot of NSL? As well? uh, not not as much. Not, not, not as much Premier League, or it was not as yeah, not as much NSL. Strangely enough, mm. um, I uh, by the time the NSL was going, I was living in St Kilda, so I would go to the stadium in South Melbourne every now and again to watch. Um, I think uh, South Melbourne was playing there. South Melbourne Hellas was playing there, so that that was always good fun. Uh, I'd go down and watch Carlton play whenever I could. Uh, but no, I, I, I used to go to the state league as a kid all the time. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. It's a, when you grow up uh, as a kid, you know, as opposed to when you're in your when you're in your twenties, you, I guess you're doing stuff. As a kid, you get dragged along by your parents, along, and if yeah. they're not there, then you go anyway. It, it becomes a, a ritual. So, yeah. but I, in your I, car, I, we're going. We go exactly. <laughs> in fact, I think I've got a feeling my my it's, it's supposed to be an apocryphal story, but I think it's actually true that when my sister was born, my father literally drove past the hospital where my mum had just given birth and, and waved to her from, from the, she was on the balcony and said, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll, be, I'll see you after the game. <laughs> and he went to Olympic Park in Melbourne. And, and the story goes that he, you know, he couldn't bear being away from his family so much that he came home at, he came to the, he came to the hospital at half time. He didn't even <laughs> wait for the end of the game. Um, so, uh, but, Sacrifices. But, but the thing is, that the, the, the great stuff about the NSL, Frank, is that you could really tell, I, I certainly could really tell by that stage. I mean, I'd grown up with the game, even though my ability to play it is in inverse proportion to my uh, passion for it. I could tell that there was some really, really good talent in that competition. And, you know, when you see Vinnie Grella and, and, and Mark Bresciano and Mark Viduca, and oh, look, yeah, all you know what that entire golden generation, probably all that golden generation of 2006, probably cut their teeth as, as youngsters in the NSL. You could tell that there was something really special about it, uh, and it was it was it was it was pretty elite as well. As in, 
you got to play at a high level at, at a young age. And also all the clubs, especially, you know, your, your Melbourne Knights and your, and your South Melbourne, they, they also had the structures whereby you could get good players to go to Europe. You know, they had great internal structures. They, they knew how to get scouts to see you. Uh, they had connections in Europe. Um, so it was no surprise that if you're any good here, you would then take the next, you know, take the next step and go into Europe, which is a, which I think we're having trouble at the moment. You know, we haven't filled that gap. You know, we've got rid of the ethnicity in clubs, which are clearly, theoretically, is a good idea. But we've also thrown a bit, a, quite a bit out with that bathwater. Uh, and uh, that emotional attachment yeah. to, to a safe place for a lot of people. Exactly, exactly. So there's, you know, I've had this discussion with Mark Viduka a lot and, you know, football's come a long way in this country, but, but you know, we do take steps forward and a few and, and a couple of steps back every now and again. Mm. Uh, but they, they look, you know, uh, I, I'd hate for, for me to, for, for my perception of those days to be clouded by nostalgia, but I do think that they were pretty amazing days. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and the passion on the terraces, during the NSL days were fantastic. And also, I think our, our young players, though, you know, all, all those guys like Bresch and, and Greller and those guys, they were young and they played against big, tough guys that wanted to hurt them. You know, so they, they learned, they, they, they did their apprenticeship in tough places. I mean, think of Dukes. Yeah. Mark Faduka was, you know, how old was he, Frank? 15 when he was playing? Yeah, I don't know. 15, 16, yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's not, I it was sort of related to that, but I remember... Going to watch Wollongong Wolves, and because we'd go all you know yes. every home game, mm-hmm. and seeing like Zoran Matic's Adelaide City turn up, um, watching South Melbourne rock up, watching Melbourne Knights come. I, I can still vividly remember as clear as day seeing Mark Baduka um, yeah. for Melbourne Knights, and yeah. looking at Melbourne Knights and just thinking because I remember seeing them walk into the entrance to the old Brandon Park. Uh-huh. Seeing them walk in and seeing Savinsky brothers and seeing, <laughs> seeing um, Steve Horvath and Mark Viduka and all those guys, I'm just going, oh my God, they all look like they're all six foot plus, mm. these giants of men. And just thinking, oh, these guys are like superheroes. Um, and that applied to a lot of those teams. And like you said, like the Mark Bresciano's, the Brett Emmertons, the Mark Vadukas, the Vinnie Grellas, all those guys, they just got thrown in at you know 15 16 17 and said you're playing against men you, you this is yeah. it. this is this. And, and, and they all and did it too they, they did it they absolutely did do it and and think and not only that so they go through that baptism of fire and and then when 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 they got really good and then what well, within a couple of years and then travel to europe sort of on their own mm. there's incredible stories you know ned zelich going on his own uh, uh, Frank Farina going on his own, uh, John Aloisi on his own, uh, Craig Johnson. They, they basically, I mean, uh, Craig Johnson clearly goes back a, a lot further than that. But they still made guys, the trip as a, as a 15 or 16 still year old. Still made the trip. Oh, the, yeah. Some of the stories that Craig Johnson tells when he went to Middlesbrough are unbelievable. Yeah, his, his, un- his book is one of the best football books i, I think i absolutely truly love amazing yeah, truly amazing yeah. like genuinely amazing mm. uh to the point that you go i can't don't even know that i can actually believe that story it, it's so incredible so so think about that so you know we, we often look at our, at our parents who came out you know in a migrant wave and had to leave everything behind and then do it themselves but that's what that's what a lot of these kids were doing mm. i think john aloisi's talk spoken about when he first went to Belgium and he got, before he moved to uh, to Italy with Cremonese, 
but he uh, moved to Belgium and they just essentially said, here you go, here's your lodgings. It was at the training ground. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I can't remember the full story, but he talks about how the door got jammed or the door gets stuck. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what do I do? So he didn't know what to do. So he rang his mum. Yeah, he's rang his mum. He said, mom. oh, well, I've just got to wait. So he just waited till the, ne- the morning when the next person, you know, That's someone it. came there to let him out. That um, is amazing. They just had to, to make do. You know, Vince Grellers talked about that resilience and, and, yeah. and that being thrown in at the deep end and, and him being smart enough to recognise and realise this is my opportunity. I have to yeah. take it. If I don't take this opportunity, I may never get it again. And, and, and you wonder, you wonder, I, I, I don't want to sound like a cranky old man, but I wonder whether that's a generation now that can you still get it with the younger generations now? Because, I mean, the, the kids, I mean, I look at my boys and how they've grown up, you know, with a, a you know, a sort of a privileged background. Uh, you can always fall back on a job, on something else if the football doesn't work for you. And you just look at how desperate our, our up-and-coming kids are with that. You know, I don't know whether you, you know, I, I know uh, Vinnie Grella is a, is a player agent now. Now, we, I've spoken to him about, you know, what is the mindset of the, of the younger players now? And whilst he's very excited about the standard of them, he, you know, he does talk about, you know, are, are they up to it mentally? You know, are they up to it mentally? Are they willing to do the apprenticeship like, like Brescia's apprenticeship was tough. Mm. You know what I mean? He basically went to places that were tough places to go to in Italy and had to say yes to things that he probably disagreed with. He was probably had coaches that you're thinking, really, my coach wants me to do that. Yeah. But, you, you know, you, you keep your mouth shut. You, you do what you have to do and you, and you work through it. Mm. And, and I think it, it develops a strength in character that, that stood us in very good stead in 2006. Mm. I mean, don't you think that? I mean, our character, oh, our character in 2006 was unbelievable. Yeah. And not only like character as in, you know, being a good person, a lot, that, that 2006 team, uh, this, the Socceroos team we're talking about, was mm. f- full of leaders across the whole team and, and not necessarily just leader with a captain's armband. I mean, you, no. had, you had Viduca, you had Grella, you had Bresciano, you had Chipperfield, the local guy. Um, Mark Schwartz. Had, Mark Schwartz was Schwartz, a great uh, leader. Yeah, 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 you had guys in that team that were of of the, the Socceroos team nowadays. To that side is unrecognisable. Mm. Those traits that they took across to that World Cup is yeah, it's a completely. Different you just want that. You just you just want that extra hardness, don't you? Mm. Because I, I think that when it comes down to it, you know, when it's eleven against eleven, unless you're facing an absolute bunch of superstars, the standard is. You know, it can't be vastly different. It's just something that sets them aside. That, Small that attitude. little moments. That yeah. They can, yeah. I mean, when we when we got through that, I was lucky enough to be uh, the 2006 World Cup was the third World Cup I'd been to. So uh, I was lucky enough to see the Australia games, and um, the strength of the strength of character against Croatia was phenomenal. Even against Italy was was phenomenal, and that was to me that was the that was the day. I was looking forward to, as in, I couldn't have imagined as a kid going to a World Cup and seeing Australia versus Italy playing against each other in a final stage. You know, it was like, you may as well have killed me the next day. It doesn't matter. I've I've seen what I had to see. And it was beautiful being in the stadium. And it was beautiful. I was following Australia that day because usually you go to a World Cup and Australia's not usually there. And, you know, you've, you know, I'm always got the Azuri shirt on, but I was so disappointed that Italy, that, that Australia lost that game. Um, and I was doing everything I could. I, uh, I, was, uh, I had media accreditation as well as 
tickets that I got in the in the draw, and also tickets I, I bought through a mate at Adidas. So I had all bases covered. I was not going <laughs> to lose that World Cup, and uh, so I had I had, um, I had um, uh, FIFA accreditation. And all the the I got to know all the Italian press because I would go to all the, the 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 you know the training for the Italian team as well as the Australian one. And when they were playing against Australia, they they were trying to get information from me. They were going, I uh, just you know I, I was pretending to like Italy more than Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like the uh, I was like the counter spy, the double you know, agent, the double yeah. agent. Yeah. And uh, so they were saying to me, yeah, tell me, you know, what's going on? Uh, can you tell us what's going on in the team? Is there any surprises? And I said, okay. Here it is. Kuhl will be playing that game. I'm telling you, Kuhl's playing. They, they don't want anyone to know. So I was giving them all these bum steers, <laughs> trying to put them off. Um, but, geez, that was that was an amazing... And you know, how good were Italy in that World Cup oh. after, after that? I mean, again, you know, I don't know that much about the technicalities of football, but, my God, the, when you see moments, when you see moments, how do you... The, the magic... When Bidlow got that ball against Germany in in you know in the semi-final, and he had the vision to lay it off to Grosso, you know, who's overlapping on his right, you, they're the moments that you say, "Is there anything more beautiful in life than this?" There isn't. Yeah, yeah. It's that I've still got the um, the commentary which I play on my car every <laughs> now and again. I just turn it up, crank it up when I'm driving, and it just my, a, I just goosebumps. It's just goosebumps. I still. Still watch that extra time regularly. I only watched it a couple of weeks ago. I'll just go back and watch that extra time against Germany because yeah. that's the game. Um, similar sort of story. Like I went to Euro 2016 and just followed mm -hmm. Italy around. Mm -hmm. And same, like the, the Spain game, I attended that match in Paris. Um, right. I've written a story about that on the German Ultra about how I had a full panic attack prior to the game because um, right. I just was convinced they were going to lose. And it, it just, it, it, it's impossible for me to come all this way, spend all this money and for Italy to win. And, and just the, the complete opposite happened. And, Isn't that incredible? And that Germany match is, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a, it was played at such a high level technically. Oh. And it's such an, it was so intense. Um, you're, he was lucky he didn't take a breath for, you know, what, two hours. Isn't that and incredible? It's the same with the Italy, Australia going, circling back to that. Like I was devastated Australia got knocked out, but Australia had them, had their backs against the wall. Like mm. they, they, yeah, it's, it's very much like a real sliding doors moment. I'm not saying Australia mm. would have beaten Ukraine and who knows what would have happened, but that, that game, you, you could replay that game a hundred times. A million times. A million times. And, time. you know, what an experience we, that would have been. To be we there. had our, we had our chances. We had, you know, Bresch had a chance to bring Grosso down outside the box before he got in. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of things that happened. And I was at the press conference at the end of it. And, uh, the Italian coach was, uh, they were saying, you know, you know, how did you feel? You know, what, did you think it was a penalty? How did you think when he went down? He said, to tell you the truth, I was already in a panic about extra time because I didn't know what we were going to do in extra time. So isn't it interesting? Because he didn't roll the dice. He, he, he rolled the dice thinking, you know, we, we're going to outplay these guys in 120 minutes, you know, if we, you know, he, he, didn't, make the he didn't make the substitutions he could have made. And, you know, who knows? As you say, sliding doors. But look, it made for one of the great World Cups. And, it, I'll never forget being at the game. Was your dad uh, with you at the game? No, no, no. I went with my dad in 2002. Oh, okay. Japan. <laughs> oh, yeah. so we, we, we arrived in Japan with, with team-specific tickets. So we, so 
Italy got knocked out by Korea as we were flying over. Oh. So literally, I had tickets to all the games that Italy would have been at. <laughs> so anyway, we still had a fantastic time. Yeah. Uh, but um, in 2006, at the end of the Croatia game, again, I had... Uh, uh, I, I didn't have, we weren't uh, uh, rights holders. So therefore I, I was only in an area called the mixed zone. So I, I wasn't allowed to be in the, I, I wasn't allowed to be in the room where you did the press conferences with the Australian players, but I could be in the in-between. So when they walked out, they could stop and choose to talk to you if they wanted to. And because I knew most of the Italian Australian players, it was a party time, you know, there, there was hugs and all sorts of stuff. And as I, I think I was talking to, to Mark Bresciano at the time, and, you know, we were, you know, very emotional. Australia had just not only made it to a World Cup for the first time in 32 years, but was it 32 years? This is for the it's, after it the Uruguay 32, game? Yeah, 32, yeah, this yeah. is after the Uruguay game? This is after the Croatia game. Oh, Croatia game. This is Sorry, yeah. Germany, oh, you mean in, made it through to the actually, knockout in stage? Germany, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Knockout stage. And, to yeah. the knockout stage. And uh, so... Bresh and I were just, you know, hugging. And from behind me, I get this bear hug from behind. I look around and it's, it's, it's Dukes. It's Mark Paduka. And I turn around. I'm in tears already. And I'm going, Mark, how are you? He goes, oh, mate, what are you doing here? I said, oh, mate, this is, how unbelievable is this? You have just captained Australia, you know, to the knockout stages of the World Cup. And, and, and he's looking at me and not really paying much attention. And I'm saying, and I'm saying, I've got to tell you, everyone in Australia has just gone crazy. My sister just called me. Everyone, they love you. Everything's gone nuts. And he's, he's giving me... The wind up. He's almost. He's almost moving his fingers around, telling telling me to finish, and uh, and and he said, "Hey, mate, do you have any late show tapes on you?" And for those who don't know, the late show you you referred to it at the start yeah, is a show that we had done in the late nineties, and and I said uh, I didn't believe I could actually. It, I I I blurted out. I it was as if he didn't say it. I kept on rambling. I kept on going. Dukes, you know, you're the you're a hero. You've got us into a and, and don't worry like, about that. So, and he's and he's looking at me, going, mate, we are going crazy in cap. Do you have any tapes on you of your shows? And I said, Well, not on me. I don't have any tapes on me, but I could get someone in London to he goes, Oh mate, could you do that? Could you really do that? And I'm going, Yeah, I could do that. Meanwhile, they're calling him because he, he had to be in a pre the captain, he was the captain of the scene, he had to be in a press conference. So he's walked off and I've turned around and he's literally all the cameras a flashing, I could see all this flash of lights as he as he walked into this room. And then he makes a U-turn, he comes back to me, he goes, oh, mate, that sketch with that you did with your uncle, that's fucking hilarious, mate. <laughs> and and he, then he went into the to the press conference. It was so surreal. It yeah. was so surreal. Yeah, oh, that's bizarre. That's bizarre. It's so bizarre. That's, but, see, but, that's the, the impact of... What a what an institution that television show was! It's, oh well, it, no, I think I think it's it, it, it's a testament to what a regular guy Mark Viduka yeah. was. He's, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, a genuine right. guy. But and the, just say, and the but, show still holds up today. <laughs> oh, sort of, yeah. Um, but the thing is that it, it, I, I urge everyone out there who hasn't been to a World Cup, even if, even if you go, oh, it's it's a bit pricey, and just go. If mm. if you if you're a football lover, you, you've got no idea what it's like the first time you see the speed with which the game is played and the skill with which it's played live. Mm. I mean, we, you know, we're conditioned to watch it on TV, watching replays and all sorts of commentary on it. When, you, when you're at the stadium watching it happen in real time, it's like what I'm telling you, it's like being in Las Vegas and watching magic. You're watching and saying, but you can't do that. You, ca you can't have that control. So mm. I've now learned to, when I see players like Ronaldo, you know, showing off his skills, I, I don't sit there and go, geez, that's pretty good. I sit there and go, 
That is truly amazing. That's like magic. People shouldn't be able to do that. That's that should be impossible to do. And for you to do that, that's you're a gifted human being, and I'm privileged to be seeing that. I, the first game I, I saw Chile versus Brazil in 1998 when I went there for the first time, and I I was almost stunned, silence, could not believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe how and that Chile side was. Yeah, on side as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. And that was the strange World Cup. If you're watching this in England, try and explain this to me. I, I went, I went, my first Italy game was Italy versus Belgium. And I sat next to uh, about four English guys. I think they were from York or somewhere. Well, maybe, I, I, yeah, I think they said they were from York. Yes. And they sang the national anthem and they, they had the, you know, thick English accents from whatever region they were at. But they were following the Italian side. And I said, What's happening is when's England playing next? And they go, we don't fucking follow England. We follow Italy. Yeah. And, you know, there were generational fish and chip shop owners who, you know, Italian families, but they, they're into their Serie A. They followed nobody in the Premier League. Yeah. They were just, but they were football fanatics. They weren't just fair weather Italian sort of uh, wave, uh, you know, flag waving kind just of guys. Because they got they were, tickets. They, yeah. they were real passionate yeah. for Italy and knew all about that Italian side and, and were right into their Serie A and had no interest in English football. I, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. Yeah. I'm presuming they're the exception. You know? <laughs> I, I still remember um, in France 98, the Italy and France game. Oh, unbelievable. And how it was a, a nil all nil all draw. Mm-hmm. And just remember being thrilled at how exciting and what a fantastic game it was. Despite it was a quarterfinal, yeah. Trying yeah. to explain to people how great, how fantastic a, a nil all draw can be between two teams. But I loved it. You're trying to explain but, that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's got to do with um, that Channel 4, I think it is, it's, which is essentially like a free-to-air channel in England. Right. And they showed Italian football on free-to-air TV Sunday lunchtime, I believe it was, or Sunday after, you know, still early Sunday morning, Sunday lunchtime. And that was around the first couple of seasons when the Premier League went on to subscription TV. Ah, the people that right. couldn't follow or watch the Premier League could watch um, Serie, A. Serie A and be taken away to a completely different world. Because at the time, too, you had like David Platt and Des Walker, a couple of English guys that were mm. playing in England. Um, and obviously, like Ian Rush and Liam Brady and those in guys. Italy, yeah, in there. Italy, yeah. yeah. In Italy, yeah. But it, it opened up, you know, and exposed Italian football to a whole new audience that had never seen That's it. interesting. Yeah. I'd never thought of that. So you may have solved that. that, uh, that <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I don't know who it was, but I think, and I've said this before, I think from memory, the first ever game was like a four-all draw or like a crazy three, like a, you know, a crazy game where everyone was yeah, going, yeah, yeah. oh, we've got this boring Italian football on where someone's going to win one nil and... Uh, it'll be a, a 90 minutes of defending um, when the complete opposite happened. Happened, yeah. And also, you've got to think, I guess, at that time, the Italian standard was pretty good. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they, they had some pretty good teams in those days. Yeah. But, but I'm old enough to remember sort of big British players playing in, in England. I think um, uh, uh, Joe, yeah. Jordan, Joe Jordan went there and uh, Liam Brady, who Trevor was, Francis was Irish. there yeah. as well. I who think. was? Trevor Trevor, yeah, 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 yeah. I think even Soonest came and played for Roma. For, oh, no, for Sampdoria. Oh, Sampdoria, I think, yeah. Sampdoria, yeah. I remember yeah. Trevor Francis came to Wollongong and he played for the Wolves for one game. Right. And I believe he was here and it was just probably the same as the Juventus guys. <laughs> he had his priorities. Yeah, yeah. He rocked up, played one game and then he left. But yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I saw George George Best played it. I think he played a Donk a Mural Bark or Doncaster or some some weird place in 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 Victoria for three or four games. Yeah, we don't have. I know. I know. We like in the old NSL days, they used to have a lot of those guest appearances. Yes, people would come over and play for one or two games and then and then take off. Yeah, with an unmarked brown envelope and stuffed, <laughs> stuffed into their luggage. But yeah, uh, but, uh, it's it? funny because the um, like the, you've, you've you said you've been to three World Cups. Um, you took your dad to two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. Um, was that did that, that hold more of a special place? Uh, even even well, though like uh, that to Italy, me, that was, the result didn't go Italy. No, result. the result didn't go our way, but we had a great time. And and it's 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 a dream that, that was. If there was anything on my bucket list, it was to take my father to a World Cup. My father introduced me to, to, to football and, and football has given me such pleasure that all I wanted to do is one day I'll take you to a World Cup. And we came within one crooked official because uh, uh, Italy was a pretty good team. That was, Italy had a pretty good side. I think, he just gave a, I think he just gave a refereeing coaching course or a master class I, I know he was in the news recently but yeah I, I, I'm pretty sure but he's, he he's also did a stint in jail didn't he <laughs> was, did, did he do it for corrupt for corruption uh, uh, as a, uh, drugs a, or corruption something yeah, something, something like that. but no but my father and I it was hilarious because my father and I uh, we we flew into Japan and then we wanted to see some games in Korea as well in fact we may have flown into Korea but I remember the very first the very first game that we saw in Korea Again, would have it, it would have been the game that Italy would have played had they not been. So we we saw a lot of Korea uh, <laughs> games that Korea play, uh, South Korea played. In. But anyway, we were flying towards one of the one of the town one of the cities in chosen uh, to be a host city in Korea was an agricultural town. It was to showcase its agricultural beauty. So it was one of the smaller towns. So as I was flying in, I'm thinking, geez, I wonder where we're staying in this place. Because I had a, a lonely planner guide with me just to so that we could travel around in the two or three days that we had in between games. And because I'm looking at this town and it says, this town's only got three hotels. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, hang on, if there's going to be 60,000 people that are ground and there's three hotels, yeah. where are we staying? This, so I'm starting to panic a little bit. And I'm looking at my documentation with the tickets that I bought from FIFA, and they weren't—they didn't actually have an address. It was actually they were they were vouchers that guaranteed that you had accommodation. So it didn't actually tell you what the accommodation was. It had just numbers, and and then I, I'm presuming that they just send you out to wherever these accommodations were. So I, 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 I and I couldn't say the name of any hotel. So I, I arrived there and I started showing the you know information people. Hey, by the way, where are we going? You know. And, uh, and they said, oh, no, go to a taxi and hold, give them this, this voucher and they'll take you to where you're going. Yeah. So we, we get to a taxi and I give this voucher to the taxi driver and he says, he starts laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing about? He goes, you go here? And I'm going, yeah, they told me that to show this to you. He goes, you go here? You, you go here? And I'm going, yes, we go here. He goes, and he's laughing his head off. And so we're driving towards from the airport into town. We drive through town. We drive out of town. We go. Well, where, where are we going? We ended up in these in this like a red light district. Okay, it was a complete red light district, and um, we and if we, we walked into this place, it was called. I thought you know sometimes Asian names have n- names that sound funny in English. This was called Young Sin, and I thought, oh, isn't it funny? It's called Young Sin, and I'm like, it's a brothel. It's not. It's actually <laughs> called Young Sin, and so I've walked in, 
and my dad's looking around and the, the reception is just basically just a white room and an old lady in a titanium cage, right? And, and she's just asked for our tickets. And, and, and on the wall, there was all these sort of X-rated videos and, and she doesn't know, she, she couldn't decipher this thing. And basically this, this young woman walks down the stairs, right? She, obviously she'd been either with a client or was about to go with a client and she, she spoke English. So she said, I said, what floor are we on? Are we in the right place? She said, you are. I said, what floor are we on? And she said, you're on the pirate's floor. So we go up to the pirate's floor and it's just, everything's sort of a, like, look like ships from the 1700s, they are portholes and all this kind of stuff. And we who walked knew? into- Who knew pirates were so risky? So exactly. So we walk into, we walk into a room and it's mirrors everywhere. And, my, and basically, to cut a long story short, my father and I had to top and tail on a heart-shaped bed. <laughs> it was a heart-shaped bed. And we were on there. And all I remember is my dad being really impressed because the, the, the furniture was all Barocco kind of furniture. Oh, yeah, and the Italians were really, very nice. I love that, yeah. Isn't there a famous salesman in, in Melbourne? Franco Cotto, his That's name it. was, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and there was all these mirrors everywhere. And there were so many mirrors. The dad goes, geez, you could look. You could have the football on the television. You can see through that mirror into that mirror and see the right way around. And uh, anyway, but the good thing is that when we woke up in the morning to go and grab breakfast, they they'd opened up these love hotels to 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 fans. So we weren't the only people staying there. There was a there was a whole lot of other people staying there as well. So clearly, they just didn't have enough hotels, and they just opened up these brothels um, to for for people to stay at. So it was. It was ridiculous. And I'm assuming everyone would walk out of the place and give each other that same blank stare. Blank stare, exactly. You just stay where, yep, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I've, I've found, like, when I went to the Euros, I haven't been to a World Cup, but I went to the Euros. Just that when you first arrive into that town square or that train station or whatever it is, and you just see the sea of people and you realise it's such a huge collective and there's 20,000 people there all with, Italian jerseys on, Italian scarves, or whatever it may be, all from around the world, or Socceroos as well. It's it's yeah, such a collective experience that you can't get with anything else, be it club a, football or or no. Yeah. And and it's not only that. It, there's a collective optimism. Uh, did you find that as well? So yeah. uh, you know, when I was travelling around Germany, and I made so many friends just going to different places and going to different stadiums. You would hear Australians on the train going, yeah, I tell you what, yeah, yeah once we, yeah, I think yeah, Croatia is going to be a tough game, but I tell you what, you know, blah, 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 uh, yeah, I reckon Argentina will be tough in the, in the final. <laughs> and you go, what? And they go, yeah, because, you know, I reckon we'll get over Italy and then, I mean, Ukraine's, a, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's a easy. And after that, then it gets a bit hard, but I tell you what, if we end up, because we're on the opposite side, they're actually thinking about the final already. And you go, we, we've, we've only just freshly just been, you know, Croatia or drawn with Croatia, whatever we did at the time. And so the optimism is fantastic. Yeah, it's an it's a incredible experience, incredible experience. And, and, also, and, and the downside, and also the, the, even the, the shared experience of losing when you were doing it with a whole bunch of people. I mean, when I walked home from that game, you talked about Italy losing the quarterfinal against France. Mm. I had my Italian shirt on. I was, I was walking through the streets of Paris. And, you know, all the French are, you know, a la maison, you know, go home, all that kind of stuff. And you're going, you know what? It's, it's just character building. I've got to go through this. It's like, yeah. it's like being put in the stocks in the town square. There's something character. If you can get through that, you can get through anything. Yeah, resilience and toughness. I think I still remember going to school uh, year, what was I, year seven or year eight after the USA 94 final. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, I, I've 
fully expected the entire high school, all 1,000 students to be all there waiting to, you know, tease me and harass me. But I was like, no, I've got to get there. I've got to go to got school. To get just there, got yeah. to get through one day, just one day. Um, I know. But I being know. in tears, like it's, it's all of those World Cups, they're all, uh, like you said, they're all character building. Italia 90, USA 94, the... The whole yeah. thing, yeah. Well, you try, you try being this. I mean, I, I've been to every, all the uh, losing campaigns to get trying to get to a World Cup from 1974. I've been at all the playoffs. Did you so, go to the yeah. Iran game in Melbourne? Because that's you know story what? I was, at my, with... I was at my cousin Enrico's wedding. I was just about to say the story with your cousin's wedding. wedding. So I've been, so there's me, you know, actually, thank God I couldn't go. Thank God I couldn't yeah, go because that would be, I mean, I'd been through, you know, the devastation of, of all of them, really, you know, the 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 uh, seventy seven was bad, uh, 80, 81 was really bad. You know, we came very close a few times with some, with some decent sides too, but in yeah, in ah oh, yeah, that one in uh, what year was that? That was ninety seven. So 97. yeah, so my cousin got married, and what was happening was he apologized to everybody. He couldn't have known that the playoffs would have been off the on because he would have been there himself. Yeah. Um, and I'll never forget during the uh, during the speeches. That night at the at the reception, there were you know people standing up going, "We're two nil up, we're two nil up" in the middle of the speeches, and um, there was a there was a guy there who's a really good friend of my cousin's. Um, his name is Emil, who's uh, Rayleigh Rasich's um, godson. So grew up in you know in in football royalty here in Australia. So for those who don't know, Rayleigh Rasich was the last uh, coach to get us to a World Cup in 1974, and literally he when Australia was two nil up. He couldn't resist. He left the wedding, oh. which was in Carlton, to go to the MCG. So I got in a taxi and arrived just in time to see the two goals scored. <laughs> and um, and none of us had, none of us knew that he'd actually left. So by the end of the wedding, we saw him. He'd already made his way back to the wedding. And he looked like a different person. Like he looked like he'd been through a washing machine. All the colour. His, his hair was all over the place and he was pale. And we didn't know what had happened to him. And he, uh, he, he, Sounds like Peter Hall. Oh my God! Hey, you know what? Hey, listen to this, Frank. I was at a, I was at a Italian concert at a place called the Palais, in uh, the Palais. Now, at the Palace Cinema in the Melbourne, Palace in Cinema? St Kilda, and uh, it was an Italian artist who was singing there, Lucio Dalla. And um, as we got out, there was a massive billboard to Michael Hutchins, who had just passed away, and all these flowers. There was all these tributes to Michael Hutchins. Anyway, all of a sudden. Some one of these Italian guys that I, I just got out of the you know the 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 concert from said he looks across he goes that's Peter Hall. The, the, he's the, for those of you who don't know he's the, serial, don't know. he's the he's the serial pest who who interrupted the Australia game when Australia was two 0 up against Iran and then he cut the net did he cut, he cut the, the net? net he cut the he net cut the goal he cut so the he, net so he cut the net behind the, yeah on the goal and that held up play for what yeah. thirteen minutes or oh a long time yeah long and we lost our momentum et cetera et cetera yeah. uh, anyway. These Italian guys recognised Peter Hall, who was putting in some flowers for Michael Hutchins, and everybody started lynching him. So, <laughs> so everyone just... And, and no, no, it got ugly. It was really ugly. So I was one of the few people who was... I was tearing people off. I was dragging people, going, don't stop this. They were really going to hurt him. Yeah. That was how deep... That was how deep the feeling was. Oh, yeah, uh, the anger they, and the hatred for him from the football community was... Yeah, yeah, a, a, a different level, a different level. Yeah, amazing. amazing. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So, so your 
Like I, I know, like you were talking about the heartbreak. I remember watching with my brother the 1982 World Cup film narrated by Sean oh, yeah. Murray. Yeah. And we just watched it on VHS over and over and over and over. It's a beautiful film. It it's is a beautiful film. Unbelievable. It's one of the best football films you'll ever see. But I remember seeing New Zealand there and just going, <laughs> what? How did it's what all these guys people? in their little tight white shorts and, and the white, you know, white with the three stripes that Adam yeah, yeah, yeah. going. Well, how are they there? How, how are, are they? they? Australia not there. You know? But I tell you what, New Zealand give good bang for your buck when they yeah, get to they a do. World Cup. They, you know, in 2010, they they did really well. They uh, three draws, they, weren't they undefeated? Three draws. That's right, undefeated. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, did they make? Oh no, no. Italy, Italy drew th- three all against well, Czech Republic maybe that year. I can't remember. But anyway, that. But um, uh, New Zealand give a bit of. I reckon they give you a bit of value to tell you the truth. Yeah, they punch above their weight. There's a couple of New Zealanders now. In, so you've got Livy Kakachi, who's at Empoli. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. You've got Nico Kerwin, who's at Padova, who's in the. Uh, uh, and uh, Matt Garbett, who's playing for Torino. Geez, I had that's, no. That's, yeah, that's, and, that's, that's very geeky of you. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you compare, uh, but it's the same. That journey compared to going back to what we we're talking about before. Like, where are all the young Australians in Italy? You know, there's, there's exactly what one or two, as far as I know. I know it's it. Yeah, where so are they? Your guys would would jump on a plane and rock up there, whether they're with their dad or you know a friend of a friend, and yeah, yeah, set up camp at a club for a couple of weeks. I know. I, I can't. Apart from Rogic and uh, is Matt Ryan still in Spain? He's in is he? Spain, or is he's yeah. still in Spain, but. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, it's slim pickings, isn't it? Really, yeah, well, certainly right. in Italy, there's you know there, there's hardly anybody. And yeah. maybe we should try and uh, get a, get some of our players into the Monza team, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> now that they're on the cusp of winning a scudetto and yeah. probably in Champions League as well, I believe. Yeah. That's right. It's going to be a good place to go next year, Lombardia. You'll have Cremonese at Monza, Inter yeah, Milan. It's a, there's a there's a few. Now, are, there, are there? I think there's some Australian interests. In in Triestina, are there in the ownership of it? There was rumours of, um, of, of uh, Australian a guy from Adelaide taking taking a stake in taking a stake in it. Is that yeah? Right? I know you've got um, forgot his name now. He plays for Parma. The young guy, he's in Parma. Um, you've got Gabriel right, okay. Claire, who's at Antella. Uh, and there's oh, there's one at Brescia too. Another young guy at Brescia. Okay. Um, so there's a few of them scattered around, but yeah, we'll see. Anyways, I should let you go. Otherwise, we'll just yeah, oh, mate. keep blabber, blabbering on for, for for ages. But that's that's half the fun of it. So, thanks again for your time. It's been much appreciated. That's okay. And look, and and again, it, it fills me with joy to know that you have the same relationship with your father as I have with my father in the game. And for those of you who have parents who are passionate about the game, but you you you. You, sh- you don't share, you, you have a separate passion. Try and join that passion up because uh, there's nothing like, um, there's nothing like relating to, you know, to people with your own family, uh, with football as a, as a basis for it. There's, there's so much passion. There's, there's a love for the beauty of it. It's funny, you know what I mean? It's sad. Sad. The full gamut of emotion and it's, yep. and it's yeah. a wonderful, and it's a wonderful sport to experience in, in a shared fashion, I reckon. Yes, so and even now with a young like, you know, like I try to get my kids involved. I've got three kids, mm. they're all relatively young, but like I get my son involved and he just likes, you know, the little clips, you know, the little YouTube clips yeah. and the moments. But um, he took the full ride with me during the Euros. 
And right, um, right, right. I said, you know, you, you can have days off school if Italy wins. You can, you can party <laughs> long into it. We can have the, the coffee going and the breakfast ready and people coming over to visit. But um, COVID struck that one out. But still, that even like that experience that I had with my kids yeah. watching the games, like, I, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, such a, it's such a great thing. It's such a privilege to have. It's amazing. Know, obviously, people don't have that. They, you know, that some people are blessed to have that opportunity. Mm. But yeah, I, I think that connection, whether it be with your father or your son, it's it's lifelong, and it, you can't be broken. Yeah. Can't if there's the opportunity, oh, yeah, you're right. If if you're lucky enough to have the opportunity to to actually have that at your disposal, then you know, <laughs> try and exploit it, please. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, it's great talking to you, Frank. And uh, you know, it's it's great talking about football. It's it, it is such a beautiful game. Uh, with all its pain and all its pleasure. Uh, and I guess that, that, that's why it's such a pleasurable game because you go through all the pain of it because you know how, how beautiful the pleasure, yeah. the, you know, the, the, how, how beautiful winning is. Yeah. So you've you, you got to go through all the pain. Mm-hmm. To, to, well, even now, also, with Italy not qualifying, I still say, you know. I've been able to see Italy win a World Cup and the Euros. That's, you know, some people in their lifetime don't get to see anything. It's, no, that, you know, that's right. We're blessed. That's right. So, we're yeah. Blessed. The less said about the World Cup, the better. I know. I was talking to Alessandro. Isn't it funny? I bumped into Alessandro Diamante the other day. And, uh, and he's a lovely guy. He's up and, you know, he's, he's bubbly and all that kind of stuff. And then for some reason, I didn't even think about it. Right? He goes, yeah, I said, peccato per l'Italia. It's a pity about Italy. And he just changed. The whole demeanor just changed. He came down and then, you know, he, 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 he you know, he went through sadness and then he went through anger and then he went through uh you know give you know apportioning blame to whose whose fault it is and uh it's incredible how much uh what 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 the sport of football actually does to people and their uh, and their moods and their uh, and their emotions yeah and, that, and for him too like that legacy he's got a legacy that you know he's played for italy mm. um that jersey's been passed on to him from from people in the past who have played for italy and he's now passed that jersey on to people who are in the current team nowadays, for him to yeah. see them perform like that, it, it could only stir up those kinds of emotions in that. Of course. That, that, that anger, you know? Of that, course. Yeah, so. Okay, Santo, thanks again for your time. It's been awesome. Good on you, Frank. Thanks. Yeah, much uh, thanks appreciated. Talk, talk anytime. Forza Italia. Yeah, Forza Italia.